Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Excuse My Reach Season 2. This is so exciting. We're back in action. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited for all the conversations that we have yet to have. This is going to be a fun season. I can already tell by this first interview alone, which I'll get into that in a second. But first, a little bit of a refresher of who we are, what we do here. I'm your host, Emma Isaac, here to conduct the ultimate informational interview with people from all different backgrounds and businesses, unlock the gatekept secrets of the professional world, and hopefully help you get a little bit closer to wherever you want to be. We are starting off season two so strong. Like I said, with this first conversation, we have an amazing guest. James Ford. You'll be hearing so much about him in this upcoming conversation, but a bit of a formal introduction. James Ford is the creative director and founder of Rowena Social Club, which is a trans-owned brand offering LGBTQ custom suits, apparel, accessories, and styling services. James was also a contestant on Netflix's Next in Fashion Season 2. This was such a fun conversation. James shared so much about how he got to where he is today. I was so happy to be able to catch up with him, and I'm incredibly excited for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Yes! We're in. We're in. James, what the heck? Hi. What a cool t-shirt. I love it. Look at those boots. Okay, when I say that I've been wearing this literally every single day, I mean I've been wearing it every single day. I was FaceTiming my sister yesterday, and she was like, you were in that t-shirt yesterday. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I feel like you need one too. It's a good tea. It's a good tea. It's, it's a, a good classic tea. tea. Um, How the heck are you? Great. Um, I'm running a business now, apparently. Apparently, I'm running a fashion brand now. Uh, things have been taken off pretty quick. So I'm out here doing you're, it. You're running a fashion brand. I'm running a fashion brand. How ridiculous. Totally nuts. No one, no one saw that coming. At least I'm actually just, just, I'm not even shocked. I'm more like incredibly inspired. I can't <laughs> even, like, I'm serious. I can't even wrap my mind around it. But okay, before, like, let me just, like, intro you a little bit, quick and Good. short, okay? Everybody, welcome back to Excuse My Reach, season two, with James Ford, okay? Applause. Thank Are we you. live? Is there, like, a live? No, no, we're not live. We're just <laughs> recording. You just have to pretend like you're live. I, I mean, it, it feels felt, so much more natural, it right? It felt really real to me. I was like, oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, this is James Ford, fashion designer extraordinaire. He was on season two of the hit Netflix show, Next in Fashion. He won pretty much everyone's hearts and souls. <laughs> People are obsessed with James, myself included. He is also the creative director and founder of the amazing brand at Rowena Social Club. You're doing phenomenal things. <laughs> I'm just like out here thinking to myself, remember when James okay <laughs> remember when I just want to like tell everybody here okay 
I know James because I went to the University of Southern California mm-hmm. and I had the pleasure of having this great human walk into class one day. <laughs> this little like, oh, hi, hi, everybody. Like, I, I'm not in any of your classes, which granted, okay, so this is a costume design class. Yeah. And through the program at USC, there's probably like six of us in the program, yeah. right? So we knew everybody. Yeah, y'all like, knew it. Y'all knew each other. Y'all were like real tight knit. You were like, you, you're like, I've been hanging out with these guys for years. Small no, group. literally. Okay, so you walk in and, and we're like, me. <laughs> we're like, who is this? But also, like, why are like, why are you so interested in our little nothing class? Like, right. nobody even knew who you were. Right. So we we're like, how did you know that this class existed? So can you just take me back there? Like, <laughs> this is, bring us into that mode. <laughs> this is actually a great question because I have a master's degree in fashion journalism from USC, which is not like a really of that. It's not really that like normal of a program. And the way I get into costume design is I, about halfway through, a little earlier, through doing my master's program, I was like, oh, I want to switch this all into fashion, as, as many fashion classes as I could take. But USC doesn't have a fashion design master's program, so I was sort of stuck. So I was like, all right, what am I going to do? So I had to write letters to this director of that program and that college of this thing across the thing. This one's in the drama department, but I'm at USC doing Annenberg journalism. But, and, you know, and I also like I'm doing a master's program. The only class they had were for undergrads. And they were like, well, this isn't going to count towards your master's. And I was like, ah, can you like make an exception? And I kind of told him what I was doing. I was like, here's what I'm up to. Here's where I'm working right now. I was working for a, uh, uh, a really small um, custom suiting outfit in LA. And so I was like, I'm trying to kind of like build something on my own here. So I had to really petition hard to get basically like costume design 101 to count. And so I walked in and I was like, like five years older than everybody, you know what I mean? And I was like, like, hey, I'm here to learn, like, let's make a shirt, you know? Like, and uh, that was one of my favorite classes really. I mean, it was one of my favorite classes, too. And the funniest thing is that we had no idea the journey that it took you to get to this class, because for us, it was just like, oh, yeah, this is a requirement. Like, we Mm -hmm. all have to be here. But I just remember you were just I think because the process was so long for you to get there. You were the most excited person in that. Oh, yeah. I love that class. I still remember it. I still talk to the professors of that class. Like, no way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember, like, I know now, of course, like, the suit, the formal wear, it's like your hero garment, but I was thinking about this, and I remember one day you coming into class and being like, you guys, just hear me out, rowing blazers, jackets, (laughs) like, we're gonna make this happen, like, a suit is about to happen, I need to know how to make a suit, I need to know the materials, and we were all like, what are you talking what are you about? talking about? Right. We're like, we're just trying to get our projects done. And you were like, no, guys, this is like on a different level here. I was like, guys, I got an idea. And um, yeah, that I got really excited about that, like historical moment of like learning about what a rowing blazer was. And this is separate from the brand rowing blazers that I often do get confused with. Um, out of New York, which is like a totally cool separate brand, but like has nothing to do with me. But like, I do love them and will work, you know, with them sometimes in other aspects. But anyways, I like 
learned about this is what a rowing blazer is, which was basically like the hoodie of the turn yeah. of the century on campus. You wore a blazer and it was for generally for the rowing team. And I was like, well, this is something I'm into. And um, so now, you know, I'm still kind of on that blazer beat. I make a lot of jackets. It's so cool. It's so cool. You know, I did rowing when I was a child. You got your blazer still? I know because I, okay, so I was a coxswain, obviously, because I'm miniature. And, (laughs) but I was terrible at it, like truly terrible. I remember I'd be in the boat and I could never remember like which side was, what is it, like port and whatever. Okay, like which side was what and which other side was the other one. And I could never remember. So I would just be like, when I point to you guys, I want you to say who you are the loudest that you can say who you are. So your so they role would just, on the boat was to direct, right? Who's going? Correct. But I didn't remember this, anybody's right. name. So I just had to use like my pointer fingers right. a lot. Right. But yeah, no, the, the, the suiting of it, it wasn't as posh as you made it seem. So when you came into class with that idea, I was like, I don't even know what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun class for me. I mean, I was, uh, I was like you know, like a lot older than everyone, but I also knew a lot less than everyone else. And so I had like the least amount of experience. And um, so for me, it was a really fun class because I, it was all like brand new to me. I was like, this is awesome. But like, look at you now. It's amazing. Look at you now. Like, it's crazy what you've done, but I want (laughs) to bring it back. I want to bring it back because like prior to your time at USC, like in that class, everything, what brought that passion out for you like where did it come from yeah um I didn't have an interest in fashion before going back to school um I was an engineer I was a concrete and structural engineer for four years out of undergrad and in in Los Angeles and I just didn't want to do that but I didn't know what it was going to be so I went back to school being like all right I'm going to figure it out I don't know what it's going to be but it's got there's got to be something else other than concrete because it's not really cutting it for me so let me figure out what that is for sure so I took a lot of classes that had nothing to do with fashion until I was like you know through a lot of encouragement from my friends they're like hey you have like kind of cool style like can you style me or like maybe you could like maybe you should like take fashion classes and I was like nah I don't know you know, so uh, yeah. really the, my time at USC was pretty informative because that's when I started taking classes like that one that we had together. And I was like, all right, this is cool. I was like, I'm not good at sewing, but uh, I like understand enough. And I was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. And then it, so it started cobbling together more classes. Prior to that, yeah, fashion wasn't really on my radar. I mean, I loved like technical gear. I was always like a like an athlete. Like I loved like baseball gloves and like I used to get new cleats and I would wear them to school as shoes because I was like this oh these God. are just my new shoes and I would have fully just like cleats on for you know turf for turf sports <laughs> yeah sure teachers loved that super weird kid <laughs> <laughs> um so fashion wasn't really like I wasn't exposed to it I grew up in Kentucky uh, the fashion designer was not a job, was not a job title. My, we, I didn't know people or adults who did that. It was not, you know, it wasn't there. So really, um, I only knew that like, I was always at a war with my clothes and I was generally losing this battle like all the time. And really when I got older then I was like, all right, let me try to like, let me try to like not let this be lame anymore i'm kind of done yeah. with that and started figuring out so i figured out my personal style first 
really. And that got the attention of my friends who were very encouraging. And they were kind of like, I think you should do fashion, dude. Like, I think this is going to be it. And I was like, all right, let me try it. And then I tried it and I was like, yeah, this comes fairly naturally to me. And so that's a good sign. So follow that. And uh, so it wasn't, it didn't feel like an uphill battle, although it's very hard and it's very challenging and blah, blah, blah. It was, um, yeah, it was just sort of like an easy first step for me. Everything after that was very hard, but the first step was very easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that you said too that like so many of your friends were encouraging you and they were just like, yeah. you have great style. Like this is amazing. Can you think to like one person or a couple people that when you were younger kind of getting into this, you're thinking like this person wears a cape. Like this is my superhero. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, I always my like style icons when I was little were like athletes um, like and, and even like on the field which is weird, but I was like really into like baseball player, like uniforms. And I was like, I feel like I would just, so I was always trying to get baseball uniforms, but they were always so big. Like I would want to wear jerseys sort of all the time. I thought that was really like, especially baseball and basketball jerseys. So like style icons for me, again, not exposed to a lot. So I was never like, I didn't know, I didn't really know like a ton of celebrities either. So didn't really have that. I wasn't looking at like magazines, like the J14 magazines, if you remember those. Yeah. I wasn't really up to that either. So a lot of it just came from like sports and athletic culture. And, um, and I was very comfortable in uniforms. So like I loved baseball pants and like my, my track singlet and like that, that type of thing. And then it just sort of, it developed from there to you know, I was trying to find clothes that I could then wear to work because then all of a sudden you're working professional, right? College was whatever, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was not a linear path. I mean, I, I don't think I could name one person when I was younger whose style I enjoyed or like idolized by any means. That didn't come for me until I was much older, until I was like in my early 20s, mid 20s. I mean, isn't that kind of, though, incredible that you could potentially be that for somebody now? Because I think about that and I'm like, there, no, but seriously, like, because what you're creating right now, and uh, I mean, we'll talk about next in fashion when we get to it more, but I think that was kind of probably the first time that people could really see, obviously, your style, like who you are, who you're dressing for. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of incredible that it's like this amazingly fun category <laughs> that you've created that just like you look at it and you want to giggle and you yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's the nicest what? thing anyone's ever said I think that was really <laughs> the goal of it too is like I don't really take it all that seriously anymore I don't take um getting dressed all that seriously when I have to wear a tuxedo sure but it's sort of like with a wink and a nod you know yeah, yeah. um so yeah i just i think it should be fun it was not fun for me for a very long time getting dressed was not very fun but it's really fun now and so now i'm like yeah let's like do more of that fashion takes itself really seriously i walk around the stores and everything to me is is quite serious and i'm like is it you're like why what? you're like this come is on kind of i'm kind of like, like come what on what industry like, are we playing in right come now on, like giggle a little like it's supposed to be fun in my humble opinion i don't think everybody agrees with that but. no i agree with you and like i think so many times like industries that so many people work in 
it's like why aren't we laughing while we're doing this yeah like it's a little it's a little wild but okay so I do want to talk about obviously like you've alluded to clothing was a struggle for you when you were growing up like it took you a while to be able to find your to find anything that you wanted to actually put on and I have to ask you about it because anybody that knows you know that you're an icon in actually like the truest sense of the word and but like why I say the truest sense is because I actually looked up that definition okay like no no I exactly okay so I looked up this definition it is somebody that warrants respect all right wow so that to me is like a really it's a big word and I think sometimes it's tossed around in a lot of different settings but I'm saying it because I actually mean it and I mean it for probably multiple different communities like people that know you know that you're a queer icon you're a trans icon you're an icon in the fashion community you're an icon to people that are straight non-binary like everything of the sense you're an icon (laughs) and I just want to know like how you have been able to do that yeah 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 um that is a that is a very nice compliment First of all, thank you. And um, I think that this has happened by accident. (laughs) Uh, Purely from my, because my approach to fashion, I never ever once, whether it was stupidity or luck or arrogance, I never once considered um, like a men's or women's section when I was designing. And again, that could have just been like an accident. Um, mm-hmm. I only think about it now because people always ask me, they're like, is this a women's or a men's shirt? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So because of just like that simple approach for me, like um, a lot of people were able to like s- sort of um, interact or like engage with this clothing and with this collection in their own way. So I didn't put up any like sort of like pre-filtered pathways to it right and people sort of found their own way here and what happened was a lot of different kinds of people found their way to this collection and to me as sort of their fashion um you know buddy right and so (laughs) and so it is it's like age is not really a thing at this brand like you know background uh uh economic status gender sexuality like none of it's really addressed directly and none of it's really like coded in one way or another yeah and so it's been really interesting to see who is drawn to that naturally just of their own like i don't know i guess the art of it or the color palette. i don't know what draws them to it but a lot of different type of people are now customers or fans and it's really interesting to see i never would have thought that would have happened but yeah a lot of straight guys are like this guy needs to, he needs to teach me how to dress. And a lot of, a lot of straight women are like, this guy needs to teach my girlfriend or my boyfriend, I mean, how to dress, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like, it's so, it's like, I, I interact with people who I never thought would be interested in my opinion on things whatsoever. So it's very, very flattering. It's a very unique position to be in now. <laughs> it's definitely unique. And I'm so curious if you feel like an insane pressure now that you're in this position. Yeah, I feel a little bit of pressure to continue my own like creative um, output. Yeah. Any creative person I think will tell you this, like as soon as they fin- you finish a project, you're like, 
that's the best thing I'll ever do. And I'll never do anything better than this. And that's it for me. And this is the end of the road. I think that's just a natural place you like get to after something's sort of completed. You're sort of depleted. And um, so the pressure is only internal for myself to be like, how are you going to top this one? You know, like, uh, but I always do. I always come up with something weird or something. I don't know. It's just like a very natural progression. So in that way, then the pressure comes back off because I go, whatever I'm just interested in next, it's going to find me or I'll find it and we'll have a bunch of fun and then we'll have like some clothes at the end of it and that'll be really cool. And so I kind of just keep it as like a, there is no like stair step of achievements for me while I have goals. I don't really have, um, I, I don't expect it to be like a straight line. I'm like, it'll kind of be like, and then we like, yeah, and we'll find cool stuff along the way. So like, that's kind of the the pressure that I feel is, is only brought on for me trying to top whatever the last thing is that I did in whatever way that means trying to top it in terms of like, let's get more, um, trying to like improve it, you know, in different ways, yeah. not just creatively and make it weirder, but like improve it in the ways that people need problems solved in clothing. So there's that aspect of it. And so, yeah, other than pressure, like, I don't know what people, I don't think people know what to expect from me. And so it's like, they can't really apply pressure because it's like, who can predict this? You can't, you can't. No, that's incredible. And I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's mostly creative pressure because I think from creative pressure probably comes like some of your most incredible work. Yeah. And I kind of want to know about that. Like, what is your creative process now? Like with Rowena, how I guess let's start from the beginning with Rowena okay yeah let's start actually at the very beginning tell me the name why sure. the name sure I lived on a, a street named Rowena in Los Feliz in LA which is like a, a it's kind of tucked back like not that many people know about it but when you know of Rowena you're like oh I, yeah I know that it's super tiny um and I I had an apartment there that like all the friends would hang out at and it was just sort of like you knew the door was always open and there was always people and like my friends were friends with my roommate and my roommates so it was just like it was it was an episode of friends i mean the whole thing was the friends living room (laughs) and i kind of was like this this it was a really fun time in my life um and i was starting to get good at it fashion. And I was like, I, I just wanted to like mix these two things together. I was like, I don't have a direction or like it, my stuff is very genreless and it's very specific in aesthetic, but also uncategorized, ungovernable. And, um, I, I think the through line that I really needed was this just needs to be like really fun and should feel like you're sort of hanging out in your friend's living room. Like I wanted to be like the guy who is your friend who you can come to to be like, I got to borrow, I want to borrow this jacket or like your older brother's closet they're always stealing from, right? I wanted it to feel kind of like that, familial in a way, you know? Uh, so that was the name. That was the name. And then it stuck. And then I haven't really thought twice about it. And then Netflix was like, what's the name of your company? And I was like, uh, 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 Rowena Social Club. And then I was like, I guess it's that. So... Oh my God. So it was kind of like on the spot, but you knew, I mean, you knew, I knew, you knew I, what you wanted it to be. I knew, but I also like hadn't committed that heavily to it yet until Netflix asked me. And then I was like, I guess it's this. You're like, it's got to never change now, I guess. I hope everyone loves it. and yeah. relates. I mean, I love it. Like it, it feels elite, but accessible. Yeah. I feel like it's like sort of a little bit like 
ha ha he he at Alita, right. you know? So I think it's a little bit jokey in that sense of like. Right. It's also like when you put a strawberry on a t-shirt with cowboy boots, like yeah. there's like, a little bit here? of humor into it. Right. right. It's like, what are we doing here? It's amazing. Okay. Like, but I also want to know how did this come to be though? Like how did you start a fashion line actually because there are going to be people listening to this that mm-hmm. are I mean maybe just for you but also maybe because they're inspired to be a fashion designer to be a creative director of their own brand and I just yeah. want to know the nitty-gritty of how you started how like did you have money to start it you know like all those things yeah. to get it going yeah this is like some of my favorite conversations to have because none of like I cannot to do anything for anyone except for like give away all the knowledge that I have. And it's never the only way to do things, but it is what worked for me. And there's mistakes along the way and lessons to be learned that other people won't have to make. So I was happy to share at least my experience of what it was like. So um, the very first thing I ever made goes back years and years and years ago. And um, I started I didn't, I don't even really call myself a fashion designer until maybe like this year. <laughs> um, but a long time ago, I was interested in making clothes for whatever reason. And most people are probably at that point where they're like, I'm interested in making clothes. If you're interested in making clothes, you know, there's classes you can take and you can sit at home and buy your sewing machine or rent one from the public library, shout out to the public library. And you can like, you know, take some YouTube classes and start to learn how to sew. And that's kind of what, how I like tested my interest in this. Then once I was like, I'm definitely interested in this. How do I go from, I think there's a really big step that's really hard to overcome. That's like, I make my own clothes pretty well, or I can alter my own clothes pretty well, or I can draw what I'd like, what I'd like to produce pretty well to how do I produce that? And how do I produce that at a scale that is, could become a business that supports itself. That step is like really, really big. And for me, it was the hardest step. Mm-hmm. Um, I went straight. I, I do. I, I do sort of two things. I make custom one-off suits for one customer at a time. That are I only make one, and that's all that ever exists in the world. And then also, what I've now started doing is an e-com site, which is more of what you typically see of selling clothes online through a brand that's got a community built by it and everything like that. Those are very two different. Those are two very different business models. Um, and I think like the very first step I could say, if I could do this all again in my memory, was to make exactly what you want to make specifically for you. Take a ton of photos of it, wear it to your friend's birthday party, wear it home, ask your grandma if she likes it, ask <laughs> your teacher if they want to wear it. Like, just wear it as much as possible um, and be really enthusiastic about it. That is really how I started. And I got people excited and built a community and an audience who like wanted to see what I was going to do next. And did I just want to ask, like, what did that look like initially? Like, did you just go out, buy fabric, create your first piece, wear it around and be like, hey, guys, like, love my vest. I actually made this. Like, yes. things like that. That's what you're talking about? It's exactly... It is almost exactly what I did. Okay. I went to a, I went to a fabric store. I'll just think of one piece that wasn't all that long ago. I went to a fabric store. I bought 
some super weird fabric that was meant for upholstery okay. that was for a couch. Um, I decided I want to make it into a vest. Okay. I toyed around with patterns that I found online. I took an old vest that I liked. One hack that I always do is like, I love my personal wardrobe already. I will like use that and kind of, you know, stencil around it onto paper, use a paper bag from your groceries, cut it up, open it out. So then you got construction paper, trace your existing clothes that you like on top of it. Now you got a pattern piece, add your seam allowance. And if you don't add your seam allowance, that's fine. Cause you will re- never make that mistake again. And you will learn to do that next time. <laughs> okay. So like the biggest thing, it's just so annoying. Cause I feel like I heard this a lot and it never helped me, but it ended up being true. Is to just like make things with no caution whatsoever, make as many things. Cause I think the early practice that I wish I would have developed faster and sooner was the practice and habit of creating things constantly even if they were totally and utterly ugly and it's nothing that I would wear. But what you're doing is you are developing your aesthetic, which is the most important thing to find as a creative person. Absolutely. Is your, your, your vibe. you got to find your vibe. And you do it by making a bunch of crap that you don't like until you start to kind of like it. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I could wear this. My friends could wear it. Okay, so your friends see you wearing this upholstery. <laughs> That's right. And you like, they're like, James, I want to like, wear a couch too. They're like, is that, I would get stopped by the, this is how I knew I was onto something. I would get stopped by, again, across all demographics of people that I would never have thought would be interested in what I was wearing. Mm-hmm. They would stop me and be like, I love your vest. And I would be like, thanks. I made it. And also it's supposed to be a couch. And they would be like, cool, man. Um, <laughs> they're like, are you a genius? Also, I will say you have the benefit of being in Los Angeles. So it's pretty weird. Yeah, it's weird. But people like accept the weird before the weird becomes cool, because it's totally. not that somebody in Kentucky in your hometown isn't going to be wearing that couch a year right. from now. It's right. just that people in L.A. may have picked it up a little bit sooner. They know what exactly. You're exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think like I'm just looking at stuff right now to try to jog my memory of like, how did I start this and make it? Um, another practice that helps me stay sort of sharp um, is like, if you get an idea, you have to write it down immediately. And if you, if you think about something three times in a week, you have to make it. If oh, you I think about that. it, yeah. If it's like, if you think about it, maybe once, write it down. If it comes back then it, two days later, you, and you write it down again, and then the third time, then you need to sketch it. And if it happens like a, a fourth time in that week, then you need to go buy some fabric and start making it. It does not matter if you're good at sewing. It does not matter. I'm not good at sewing. I'm good enough. You will learn what you need. There's a very big difference between a fashion designer and a sample maker, like a fashion designer and a tailor, you know? For like, sure. There are different skill sets. So, like, I'm not a good sewing, but... Okay, so somebody, somebody tells you, I want that too can you make it for me too? Like, is that where then what do you do next? Are you like yes. working with a manufacturer? How are you finding somebody to mass produce this? I know that you guys create in LA. So what is that process like? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're just starting out and someone says, I love it, I want one, you say, thanks. I made it. And they say, I want one. Then like, you're going to end up making that. 
and like hop to it. That's what I did. I remember one of my friends came over and wanted some shorts and this was years ago, way before I took a sewing class because I had made some shorts and I posted them on in, Instagram. They were terrible. She was like, I want some of those. And I was like, all right, come over. And then I like pretended I knew what I was doing when I was measuring her. And I took some measurements, but I'm like, I'm sure they weren't accurate, but I tried and I made some shorts and she loved them and it was great. Okay, great. So like sell one thing to one person, period. Um, and then, you know, much later after you do that, now you need to make maybe two or three or five or 10, you know, that's up to your, like, your um, sort of capacity for making things. Like you will have your own limit of like, okay, after like 30, I'm not going to make my own things anymore. You right. know, I need a factory to make the 31st and the 32nd unit and the 33rd unit. Um, and then this is like, there's nothing sexy or secret about it. You open up Google and you start Googling like no minimum sewing factories near me and you make a list i am not kidding you and you make a list you write down their names and their phone numbers and their addresses and you start driving or walking around and introducing yourself to these places and bring your sample that you made and say look this is what i want to do can you can you guys do this and and, and what and be very respectful and um and ask them how they would do it and if they have minimums and what their sample fees are and then go with your gut. For those places, do they typically, like, do you bring the fabric to them that you want them to use or do they source their own fabric? Uh, that depends. You can do it one of two ways. So one of those routes is called full package. Typically it's called full package in the industry. And that means, <clears throat> excuse me, they will be providing fabric. So you'll approve it, but let's say, I'll say, I want to do a hoodie and they'll say, okay, here's our hoodie fabrics. And you can use one of those and then they take care of everything. You give them the design and they're going to sample it. They're going to procure your raw materials. They're going to do the, the fittings and the production and then and pack it up. And then you pick it up when it's in a nice neat box. Okay. Really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Except when you're doing overalls that are cut <laughs> from a grandma's blanket, there's nothing full package about that. So that is the other route, which is when things get more complex and there's screen printing your t-shirt that you're wearing, that got pigment dyed and then the screen printing had to be placed and then the pocket separately had to be printed and then it had to be go back from the printing house back to the finishing house to get that pocket applied over top of Gary. So now Gary. you're into like, that's the strawberry's name. So now you're in a folk <laughs> cut and sew where you've got moving pieces around town all the time and many different vendors are touching your garment to apply their their component to it or their technique or whatever. That is a little bit more complicated and a lot more work. <laughs> okay, that so this is, is – it's so much, but I'm just – like how did you do it? Did you do it by yourself? Did you have yes. a team to help <laughs> no. you? Like what? <laughs> Why? How? Did you have a job, like a different job while you were doing this? No, like, no. I do this full time. So like you were just making things and people were loving them. So then you use that money to just continue to make things that people loved. It sounds silly, but that is exactly what it is. So it doesn't sound silly. It sounds that's remarkable. It that is exactly like what it is. So I, um, I don't, I don't have any employees. Uh, I do all the design development, production, everything myself. So 
I'm the one that's like going to find the fabric, picking up grandma blankets, getting them washed at the wash house to clean them up, you know, finding someone who will willing, who's willing to cut that fabric because that material is yep. crazy to work with. Um, someone who does denim so they can make these overalls, right? But who's also willing to be like, I do denim overalls. They probably don't work with crochet, but like convincing a factory to do that. Um, it's exactly as it sounds. Like you, 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 you just have to get started with like one thing and then promise yourself that you're going to use that money to go make the next thing. And that will start to, it will take a long time at first. And then it'll snowball where you're like, all right, well now I'm able to make like quite a few of these things. Maybe now I can make 10 jackets and that's awesome. And maybe you already have the 10 people who want to buy them. And then, you, you know, you run these little pre-orders and like, that's a great way to do it too. So that like you're go sell that one jacket that you made that you think is perfect and sell it to as many people as you can. And once they pay you, then you go, you got to deliver the jacket, but then go make that jacket. And so you can't let finances stop you. I know it's really scary. That was the scariest part for me, but like, sometimes you're going to be really broke and sometimes you're going to be, you're going to be up a little bit and then you're going to be really, really broke again. And (laughs) it's just the, the, that cannot deter you from um, at least starting. Yeah. You got to be. You got to be like savvy and like be smart up there. But I got started with nothing. I didn't have like fan. I don't have an, I don't have investor or backers or anything. Like I, I have like a the same sewing machine that I've had for many years that is like very average. Um, I love that though. And like fifty bucks in fabric. You know, you want to know why I love that, and I love hearing the origin story of all of this because, as wild as it is, and as crazy as your journey has kind of been with it it makes it seem possible like totally you know what I mean like it it makes it seem like you can do it too kids like if you want to do it you know yeah like it what's what's awesome is that you you've witnessed this so you've seen me go from like I'm kind of interested in learning how clothes go together you know like we were in the same garment class in 20 whatever yeah um so yeah it is step by step and look i caught a lot of lucky breaks along the way i certainly give credit to that sometimes it takes a little luck but i also credit that to i was very vocal um that i was like i'm i'm starting this brand i'm starting a brand and i want to i want to build this i think it could have an amazing community i think my community needs this for real i'm doing it and so the more i just like ran my mouth (laughs) (laughs) you're like as loud as i was people had to listen because they couldn't shut me up yeah people thought of me they sort of remembered me when i was like hey i'm i'm uh you know here's what i can do for you in fashion i i'll I'll style you you know i i can put a cool app together for you or i'll come i'll come i'll come clean out your closet you know what i mean and show you like a cool outfits you could do with what you already got and the more i just sort of like was like i'll i can this is what i'm capable of this is what i can do for you um and then i'm happy to do it and then people remember they were like oh yeah sure but then they were like "Ah, my closet sucks i don't know what to wear maybe you should call that guy and so yeah and so it's um yeah i have no idea what to make of the last like 18 months specifically of my life have been like totally remarkable. Um, and before that, you know, I was working as a, a designer, assistant designer, senior product developer, product development, technical designer. Like I was in very commercial fashion. So I did have an understanding of how this industry worked and some contacts in LA of like, I knew, I knew where to go get fabric. I knew where to, I knew a couple of factories, um, 
so yeah, I had like a little bit of an insight there. Yeah. But uh, to be honest with you, what? none of that information is anything that I couldn't have Googled. That's so true. So I had the experience, yes, and I had relationships which were important, but a lot of this was Google searches. Yeah. A lot of it. Okay, but past <laughs> the Google searches, past like the initial start, I think there's kind of like a bigger leap of doing the one-off things to then like making a collection. Like yeah. you made a collection yeah. and then you made another one. And I just yeah. want to know like – what what was that like for your most recent grandma's kid collection yeah so i i definitely set out to design it um as a true collection which most designers i feel like don't do anymore or brands don't designers do brands don't brands do not put right. out collections that make sense that are meant to be worn together all inter interchangeably yep. they put out seasonal collections where it's just like here's 900 jackets and here's 15,000 pants. And you're like, okay. Literally. Um, so I definitely wanted to put something together that I was like, er everything I designed starts with this. What do I want to wear next for the next six months, year, year and a half, whatever. What am I like, where is my personal style taking me? And then I design for like, because I can't find it. What are those pieces? What do they look like? This is definitely that. It's very, very reflective of that. I wanted like a, big cool pink coat and I wanted knee patches from crochet squares on cream colored overalls that I could paint in and make them splatter painty as I am painting for fun inside my house I wanted those I wanted the t-shirt comes from a uh country club I used to work at when I was uh in high school yes. um that I remember just was like, oh my God, I remember this country club I worked at and I wanted to make like the pool house merch staff. There was just something nostalgic about that for me that I like really liked. Um, Why did you pick a strawberry? Just because like summer fruit? I love strawberries and I think they're cute. And at some they point are. I just, I just go, look, it's just like cute. And I don't have a better reason other than just like, it's, I, You're with like, the I strawberries. Like I just like it. And there was, you know, it was such an inconsequential decision that I was like, specifically, I was like, there's no other reason for this to exist other than just like, I like it. And like, there's no like bigger philosophical, like conspiracy of like strawberries have this meaning to me. They don't like, I just think. Do you I, love that? Like, do you just love that there's an idea that pops into your head and you're like, I can actually just like make that and then put it on a website and now people want to buy it. <laughs> that is the most um, flattering part about this is that, and the most, like, that to me is unlocked as a creative person, meaning, like, I am going to, like, put – it's so satisfying to have this enough skill set where you can put down what you're seeing. That is a very satisfying process regardless of who sees it or if it sells, if it's commercially viable. It does not matter. That process alone yeah. worth it. And then the thing that's, like, icing on the cake is that people are like, I like it too. And I'm like, rad. You're like – you get it. You get it. You get it. You get it. So the whole collection was designed because I was like, I this is what I want to be wearing in the fall and, you know, maybe in the next spring a little bit. And, um, yeah, and I edited it down a lot. I mean, there were a lot more pieces and I knew that I couldn't actually produce all those alone. So I edited it down pretty substantially to something that I thought was um, intelligently categorized so that there's not too many, you know, one suit. You need one coat one hoodie these are this is the hoodie you know 
do you think any of those pieces will ever come back in different ways in separate collections? I definitely think the jersey is going to be like making more appearances in cooler and cooler ways. Okay. Um, somehow there's always a vest involved with me. And I, I think that. there's always going to be. I love it too. You I know just what like... I think it is though? I think it's like you're drawing the line between, again, like your hero garment, your suit, right? Like your formal one-off wear for people. And then right. you're doing ready to wear for everybody else. And you need yep. that bridge. And that is the yeah. vest. I think it's the vest. It's the vest. I think it's the vest too. It's and like so, amazing. Yeah, it's totally awesome. So, yeah, I, 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 this was a very like artistically satisfying collection for me, and the the video that went along with it was like totally amazing. Um, so cool. It was so good, and so that felt like all right. After the show, here is a real. Let everybody know, like, I can do it. Here's a real full collection, like, pretty, you know, very designery. And then, yeah. you know, I don't know what I'll do next, but I've, I've got some ideas. Don't worry. It was professional. It was cool. And also, I love that you put a soundtrack when you released <laughs> it. Like, something, and I, because I thought that was like so unique and sick. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I literally listened to the playlist, like, yeah. when I was shopping. I was like, this is yeah. so fun. I always do that. I always throw a little playlist out there. And uh, I like am super tied to music. I love music. Um, and so it, it's always seemed like so natural for me to be like, I, I mean, look, I was born in, in the 90s. Like I, almost the 80s, I <laughs> made a lot of CDs yeah. that you would write on and give to people. And so, Same. so there's yeah. like a playlist there's like something very like high school CD about giving somebody a playlist that I like refuse to stop doing. You're so right. We like recently sold a car that was like my brother's car, my sister's car and my car. And we would all drive to school together and yep. we would have different CDs for that day. <laughs> we got if it was your day to decide, you got to put that CD in for the day. Like it was a whole thing. Yeah. It was way different. Did you, you did you ever burn them from LimeWire and write? Oh. The of course playlist we burn them. them. Yeah, obviously. Of course we burn them. They're and you, all like, ripped. Write your name on them and stuff, or whatever. You write, write a little like, note in the CD. Yeah, yeah. Or you write like in like bubble font, like cool font. Oh, yeah. You write like summer of like oh one or whatever. Summer of oh one. That's yeah. the best track. Yeah. So you'd give it like a title. Anyways, that's where that kind of stems from. It's like I'll always do a playlist. I'm, you know, and I. There's going to be a lot more of the social club aspect to the brand as soon as I can afford to do it and execute on those ideas. Um, okay, tell me what that looks like. I got a bunch of ideas, so I don't want to give too much away. But Don't like, give too much, but give us like a peek. Well, there needs to be a social aspect to it. And whether yeah. that is executed in real, in person, which limits it to LA really, or do we travel? I don't know. You could or, travel. Or do we start to figure out um, like a, a cool way of sharing community with this brand digitally? And like, I really want to do in-person stuff. Do pop-ups. I want to do like a pool party. I want to do a pool party. I want to do like a jazz night. I want to do. I want to. I want to. I want to do a book club. Oh yes, yes. I'm a big reader, like. That's like okay, fully tell- unrelated to clothing, but I'm like, here's just like a couple of books that I read, like that I would like 
that I would I like guess, to wear guess, my vest and read, read this again. book. Yeah, but like, what if we did a book club or something? Stuff that has nothing to do with with capitalism and purchasing purchasing things and showing it off on the gram. Like, forget all that. Like, the the real homies. I'm like, let's like read books and hang out and talk about stuff. No, that's the coolest that thing. Wow. But I feel like that is. It's so wild to be able to like have this one thing that you can expand to make it a larger community based situation you know what i mean like there's like who's doing that right now like no one's doing that like what you're what you're doing for clothes (laughs) seriously like it's it's an untapped (laughs) space of just like shopping has become a solitary activity like why is it so solitary why are we all shopping online now like we're no longer touching fabric before we buy it's not like remember you just like go with your friends to the mall like are we doing that still i feel like no I still go to the mall purely too, for sport. Me too, James. Me too. I, I do. I'm a window I shopper. I love the mall. I'm a window shopper. I love shopper. window Ooh. shopping. I could shop down any Main Street USA in this in this country and have a blast right? and find stuff that I was not looking for. Um, but yeah, I think the shopping experience is very, very difficult right now. Yeah. Um, online is like overwhelm. In person, there's like nothing really in stores or all looks the same or not, they don't have your size. So they're like, there's, yep. it's just really, really hard. And so, yeah, the brand is, I, it's fashion because that's what I'm good at and that's what I do. But like the brand would also be here if I was good at like ceramics and like if it was a ceramics company that, you know, like helped my community we would still do that and we would still have a book club. So like there's, you know, it's just sort of like inevitable that all of these sort of interests converge and fashion just happens to be the one where I feel like I can help the most people and yeah, hopefully they like it. I mean, I think that what you're saying too, like not being able to have a tailored experience, I mean, specifically, of course, for your community, so many people feel that way. Just talk about that a little bit. What yeah. do you have to be so cognizant of when you're designing on a one-to-one basis that is so different than that, I guess, normal shopping experience that people kind of struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. So I do a lot of wedding clients and it's so awesome because the look on people's faces when they realize that they can get both, they need two things. They need something that fits a suit that fits their body and their style and they also need to uh have some say and add some fun and some some special moments into their wedding look Mm -hmm. um like it's just not it's not out there i mean there's a couple spots around town now you know that, that do this but the nightmare of shopping in general is so bad that once you add the complexity of uh the geometry of of doing a suit specifically that thins out options really, 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 really quickly. And then the ones that do fit, it's like, all right, you can have navy or you can have gray and you're still going to compromise on fit. And so there's just nothing out there that like, when I think of myself as like the weird hipster person, (laughs) like golden retriever, cowboy, like sport enthusiast prep that I am, I really struggle to find a suit that matches that because it's like once you elevate to formal wear from your from your personal style and you elevate that to formal wear, the range of options gets this tiny as far as taste. 
in style goes, unless you want to spend $12,000 on a Gucci jacket. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't, can't do it. So it's just really important to me that like my community is not humiliated at important events because of, because formal wear as a category failed to provide options in terms of fit, yeah. in terms of size, in terms of taste. So that is really like what I, I got really, really good at is providing that experience, fit, size, taste in the formal wear category of suiting because it's so so bad out there <laughs> it's so bad but you're fixing it you found a problem one by one and you're fixing it like one by what? one yeah that's amazing do you have a favorite one by one you've created sure. oh man um oh man that's a great question i have a few ideas for a suit that i'm making for myself very soon but i'll have to like I have to like show you pictures when it's ready, maybe. Okay. Um, my favorite suit was for uh, I can't because I got so many clients. I can't pick a favorite client right now. But okay, the favorite okay. suit of my the favorite suit of mine though is maybe oh, it's the Daisy suit for sure. The Daisy a, suit. That's the brown. famous one that was on the Today Show. <laughs> yeah. We all know that suit. I know that suit. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what kind of like confidence you have to have to wear a daisy covered suit to the today show for the first time and take you it completely. so much confidence you gotta honestly. be like whatever you know and like i saw that you were saying you were sewing daisies on like day of day you're wild. of you're wild i was sewing daisies on the flight from lax to new york <laughs> there's a video you guys of me being like, that's what it takes that's what it takes but also that's kind of the confidence, almost audacity that it took for you Absolutely. to be on a Netflix hit show. Yeah. Okay, so we yeah. have to talk about it. Of course, we have yeah. to talk about it because everyone wants to know about it. And if you're listening, watching this interview, you probably fell in love with James on this show. Like, <laughs> no, but it's crazy. Like, it's really crazy. Like, your fan base was wild on this show. I was seeing Were they? stuff. Are you serious? You know, you know. I, don't pretend like you don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch the show and I stayed off social media that was not mine, you know? That was probably was, probably smart just so it didn't go to yeah. your head. So you can we can keep him humble a little bit here. But keep him humble. Okay. Yeah. Next in fashion, season 2. How? Like first off, how did you approach <sighs> them? Did they approach you? What happened? Yeah, this was pretty simple. There was a, uh, ca- a a form that you filled out that my friend, like a like a a friend of a friend of a friend, sent to me and was like, "You'd be pretty good for this." And I was like, "Eh, I'm actually good. Like, I really am enjoying being a designer at the job that I was at." And I was like, "I don't really want to be on TV. I think I'm gonna pass." And they were like, "I think you'd be really really good for this. You should just just fill the form out." And I was like. All right, so I filled the form out. I didn't think it'd go anywhere. I forgot about it. Um, and then, you know, casting directors started calling. And then before I knew it, the lights came on and I was on a sound stage. And they were like, here's Tan France and Gigi Hadid, and here's your what first challenge. And I was like, whoa. whoa. So it happened pretty quickly. And I have no idea how I made it out of the massive massive pool of talent that they had and uh, it changed my life so I'm very 
grateful. I mean, it was once in a million lifetimes, I say. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely for sure. I think something that was like really cool for me to see for you. Okay, so like when I was growing up, Project Runway was like one of my favorite shows. Like seriously, like the fast paced stuff, like being able to do things under tight timelines, whatever, like these were my heroes, all right? Because I was like, I was a kid that like loved fashion, loved design, wanted to create stuff, not incredibly great at sewing, like self-taught. So I was like, ah, like that, that's like a nothing, like that's a one in a million type of a thing, right? It is. Knowing where you came from, like knowing (laughs) the design class that we were in together, the amount of pride that I had for you to be on this show, knowing how it started was like phenomenal to me. You have no idea. I was like, he can do it. Like you guys, we can all do this. We can can all do it. it. It's, It's really great to hear that because you have an honest look at like there you know that there's no like shiny smoke and mirrors no. here like there's yeah. not like i was i was i was sitting in class with you and then a couple yep. years later i was sitting next to Gigi sewing something um okay like Gigi, emma chamberlain donatella versace dude like okay <laughs> like i know that everyone right everyone thinks that that's cool like from the outside yeah. it's like of course donatella versace when you really, truly care about this industry, <laughs> Donatella Versace, James. Like, She's I need you queen. to think about that one daily. Like, daily, yeah. I need you to revel in that one, all right? I, I have a hard time. I've never watched the show, so I You need to watch have it. Like a, I, I did watch, I take that back, I did watch episode one when it came out. I watched it with mm-hmm. some friends. And, um, yeah, I mean, I saw it when it came out. We didn't have any special access or anything so you know you log on netflix and um i didn't realize that it did seem like donatella really enjoyed that clothing no like loved she said, loved the clothing she said i love it i love it i love it and i was like three times three times i love it and i love it i love it <laughs> yeah and i thought for sure she probably said that to everybody you know and i wasn't until i i watched the show that i was like oh no i think i think she may have meant that and i was like she, she did <laughs> I was like, wow, I wish I would have known that on the show, you know. Your your confidence level would have been up. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been like, okay, I'm okay. But at the time, I was like, well, she's so nice. You know, I mean, she must just really care about, you know. People. People, yeah. Um, So it didn't hit me until much later that I was like, oh, that was actually, I think she maybe really loved it, loved it, loved it. No, it's incredible. And I mean, just like you're saying, like the no smoke and mirrors, I will tell everybody here, it truly was no smoke and mirrors. Like, how James was frantically <laughs> on the show, but also like the most like charismatic and true to himself and like design elements and the wackiest, coolest things was exactly how you were when I met you. Like that, that it, it was the exact same. It was like I was watching one of our design classes. It was yeah. wild. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I mean, I mean, I remember making a lot of presentations for that class and drawings and stuff that were like pretty wacky stuff. But like, you saw my drawings too on I the know. show. That's how they look. I know. <laughs> I've seen your drawings in real life. I know. <laughs> they did me no favors cleaning that no. up or making it look pretty. No favors. It was. I think just... that's that's probably good. That's why people loved you. Like it, it... was. <laughs> 
It was that kid that's favorite show used to be Project Runway seeing yeah. you now on this new Netflix show being like, okay, it's not as buttoned up as we used to see it. It's not as like unapproachable as right. we used to think that it was. Like yep. you were the real life representation of what could be. Like that's totally. I did cool. it. Like I, I got to do something to absolutely, totally amazing, and I've like it's absolutely amazing. I, I don't even. It's it, you. I'm like always left speechless. I'm, I have no idea how to describe that. It was just <laughs> totally cool. Yeah. What did you feel like? Like, was there something? Was there anything technical that you took out of it that you were like, okay, I learned how to do this on the show, and yes. now I can do that in real life. That is a great question. I have no idea if this made it into the edit of the show or not. But uh, Megan, who was so, so patient and so generous to like show me a couple extra things. I remember I was trying to make some like leaf petals out of like an orange silk file fabric, but they were curved. Uh And I was like, I was like, hey, y'all listen up. I, I don't really know how to make this look good. And I remember Megan taught me how to like sew it, sew the curve, and then flip it inside out and do something kind of interesting. I, I don't even remember how. Obviously, I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> to sew that it – like I did mine and it was like not a curve. It was like okay. very, very sharp. She was like, that does not look like a pedal. And I was like, all right, how are you doing yours then? Just let me just get a look. And, yeah. uh, so I, I do I do remember that moment being like – I. Megan like stopped and was so generous and was so like genuinely happy to like take time to like show me how to do it. Like it was just, I I will always remember that as being like, we're on like a timed competition thing. And Megan was like, I got you and was so happy to do that. And that was like, that was great. Megan's a delight. That's so cool. Do you still keep in touch with everybody? Uh, Oh yeah. Megan O'Kane. Totally. Like I I still talk to a a lot of them. A lot of us are really busy and we're off multiple places now and stuff but yeah big supporters from afar oh totally yeah a lot of like I'm over here on the west coast so you know a lot of folks are New York DC Atlanta um somewhere on the east coast so I feel like I'm a little far away but every time I come to New York I hit them all up I'm like I'm in town you're like remember me I'm back and a lot of them are you know free and if, if they're free then we'll go wander around a fabric store or whatever do you have a favorite look that you made on the show and is there like a more than just a favorite look is there like a specific element of a look that you're like I gotta bring to one of my own collections 100 percent um I love the gigantic pink pinstripe or not pinstripe racing stripe I did on the side of those that first look, the Prince pants with the purple and yep. pink, purple pants with the pink stripe. I love a racing stripe. I always do a racing stripe. There's racing stripes hidden all over this place. Love, um, love that element of it. I love a set. So the floral vest and shorts that Phil wore, uh, the model Phil. Is yep. um, I love the idea of a shorts and vest set. <laughs> It looked so cool. Like he's so cool. He's such a good model too. Yeah, he was a great model for that look. Phil's perfect. Phil's perfect. He really sold it. Yep, he sold the dream. Um, those are your top. Yeah, favorites. I liked uh, those are my top favorites. But what I I did is I I like really improved the shirt from the childhood episode with the lime green and the and the cuff 
mm-hmm. the like knit cuff, knit cuff. I like I'm I improved that and then and then put it in this collection. So like that one yeah. to me was like an important one to do because so many people were like, I've never seen this and it's categoryless. And I don't know if it's jacket or an over turtleneck or blah blah blah. And so I I obviously I felt like I had to make that one because that one really came from like the depths of my brain. Isn't that crazy when you have an idea like that? Like you It's crazy. It's wild that it's just like that that came from your brain. I don't even care if nobody buys it, but if they're just like, I love this, then I'm like, me too. Then I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. This is like the pinnacle of being alive. (laughs) Okay. So I I wonder about that because of course, like that's true for you. Absolutely. Do you feel though now that you have sold items that you have like a pressure to keep selling items as opposed to people just liking it? Um, that is an interesting question. Do I feel the pressure to keep selling items? I want the business to grow because I think this could be a very, very awesome place for young designers to come work because there's going to be a day that I am done designing and all I want to do is give away what I know. And I feel like a good way to do that is to either teach, which like, I'm not a good teacher, but I am a good coach. And so I would love for this brand to also be an incubator for younger design talent one day. Um, so is, is it important to sell stuff? In a capitalist society, everyone will say yes. Is it important to sell a huge volume of it? No, not at all. I don't need a lot of people. I just want to reach the right people. Um, yeah. The only sale that's, just, that's important that means anything is if it is helping somebody. If somebody is like, I needed this, you know, like, or to connect on an artistic level. I think those are the only two, like, sales to me that need to occur. Is like, I have to have this because it speaks to me so artistically, you know, I love it. Or, you know, this suit solve, solves my problems. And so that's kind of where I operate from as far as the business side of it goes, you know? Yeah. I do wonder though, too, like, because you see, I mean, that's an incredible vision, like to be able to have kind of that incubator, that same thing of you saying like you want community, you want to be able to have pool parties with people. Yeah. Like it's awesome. I also do wonder though, like to be able to get this out to as, I guess, as many people that need it, maybe Mm -hmm. like past LA, whatever it be. Do you always see Rowena being a standalone or do you see it multiplying to different cities? Do you see it like being in a niche section of a department store, like expanding in that way? Like dream big for a little bit. Great question. So do we have retail and wholesale goals on the horizon right now? No, um, probably not wholesale. I don't know where this brand fits into any of the bigger department stores categories because we do not start by gendering them. Yep. So they so they don't even know where to send me if they send me to the men's buyer or the women's buyer, right? So yep. step one, they literally don't even know where they wouldn't know where to forward my email. But if they want to come to me and be like, hey, we'll set up like a little spot for you, you know, so like that alone that just shows you how deeply the industry is gendered right now. Um and yeah. it's definitely starting to go a different direction. Um, but like they it's 
it's they don't even know where which floor they're separated by floors right you go into macy's or whatever and it's like floor floor one or floor two i'm like floor one and a half i don't know you know so so maybe you first need a gender equal department store <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> i would love to have a retail store soon i don't know how that will happen or when or where or how but i don't even know that mm-hmm. i need it to be a store i would love to just like hear me out this is where the social club aspects come in because like i don't feel the need to have a store but i would love to have like a house that's like the rowena house and so like maybe there's a pool in the back and maybe you can like rent a locker to keep your belongings in for the pool and maybe it's family friendly and maybe we have like mother's day brunches and if you you know and your partner want to come and celebrate mother's day brunch in a family friendly atmosphere where you're not getting stared at like come to rowena you know or uh, so different activities like that. And like, maybe the front of house is tailoring where, you know, I'm getting, uh, things, you know, fitted up for your suit and things like that. And the back is retail where you can, I'd love to start doing rentals. People don't need to like buy necessarily because yeah. it's cost prohibitive and I get that. So like how, again, how can I solve the problem when the problem is financial? Maybe we can do rentals. So maybe you walk in and and I'll help you pick out the right size for you. And you only need it for a night or whatever. Prom prom rentals. Um, prom rentals. There's so much to think about, really. And there's so many problems to solve. Yeah, it's like you you just write down the problems. It's not even just like the idea. Uh-huh. It's like the problems you have to write down too, you know? Yeah, it's just things I run up against where you try to try to get again, try to get my art out there because I think it's resonating with people. And also try to solve people's problems in fashion, which are the same ones that I walked through. So I don't want anyone to have to go through that again. And also, like, I have this wacky creative vision that's very satisfying for me to get express. And other people like it too, which is a huge compliment. And then that's, and then I just do that all day long. (laughs) Okay. Well, I love it. I think everybody loves it. Like, anybody that's seeing your work, you know, it's crazy too. Like, even if they don't know who you are, People have seen this T-shirt and been like, "Oh, that's so funky! I love that." Really? Like, yes. Oh, that's so and cool. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like that's not that like dissociates just from you as a yeah, person. Totally. Like that's your work out there that people are loving. So awesome. I think that's the coolest thing. I think that you have the coolest mission with this. We're gonna wrap up a little bit because I feel like we could actually be talking for hours. hours. Because I mean, be, I just feel like there's so much I. There's so much about you and about what you've done with your brand and your journey so far that interests me so much because it's like it's what people have done, but in a completely different way of doing it. Yeah. It's like fashion has been around forever, but what you're doing is just starting now. Yeah. Like it's just innovating, you know, totally. it's like it's new. It's next. It's forever. Like you're you're doing it, you know, it's just it's phenomenal. You're so cool, James. Thank so you. Cool. Thank you so much. And I hope that we can look back on this conversation in 10 years and get like a good kick out of sort of, you know, inter- like where you were. Yeah. Yeah. Of me trying to explain this, like in 10 years, maybe, maybe we're sitting in the, the, uh, uh, you know, the Rowena uh, clubhouse and. Oh, for sure. And we, we definitely will be. And so I, I'm excited to see where it goes and 
before we wrap up, okay, I just want to ask you yeah. speed round of questions really quick oh, to sweet. leave some of the people with. I love it. Okay, but you have to really, really quickly, all right? Speed round. Yeah, okay, here One we go. word answer. All right, here we go. What trend are you loving? Uh... <laughs> oh my God, I knew you were going to be terrible at this. Uh, wide leg pants. Okay. What trend are you hating? Bell bottoms. Those are different. Okay. See? Okay, yeah. No, they actually are yeah, different. Yes. For those that don't know, Google it. Google That was a good answer. I'm proud of myself for that one. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Favorite piece in Grandma's Kid New Collection? Uh, the vest. Of course. I knew you were going to say the so vest. Good. Okay, this is going to be like the same answer, I swear. Favorite garment of clothing? Right now? Don't say vest. Yeah, I don't won't. say vest. Um... Speed round, James. The sweatpants. The sweatpants from my own collection, I cannot stop wearing. It's I wear them so much because it's cold now that yeah. I like I, I can't even like get them washed. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh, I'm, no, I know I'm, what like, you I'm, mean. I'm, You're like, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm not digging them wear out them of the wash. Yeah. Okay. Go. All right. Sorry. All right. Go. All right. Go. Okay. 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 Dream celeb to dress. Harry Styles. Perfect. Like, perfect. honestly, perfect. Favorite type of fabric right now. Mmm. What a great question. I'm going to say, oh, hickory stripe. Yes. Hickory stripe yes. down. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Color of the season. Orange. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go. Something that you haven't created that you know you need to. I'm working on it right now. Uh, suiting pants with a crocheted double knee patch. Okay, amazing. Tailored sounds amazing. double knee patch in a crochet knee patch. Oh my God, I botched it. God, right. is everybody so excited to see that one? Okay, if Strawberry Gary was to go to vacation in one spot, where would Strawberry Gary go? Uh, the Amalfi Coast in Italy. <laughs> oh my God, he's bougie. He's classy. That is a bougie strawberry. He's taken his boots and his visor from Reno, Nevada to the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Okay. And finally, a quote that you live by if you have it. You can make up the quote if you don't have one. My friend just gifted me a book on maximalism for my birthday. And he wrote on the tape, the, the tape, the scotch tape, it says... You are only remembered for the rules you break. And I believe that was a quote by General MacArthur. (laughs) So not exactly like the best person to be quoting, but a nice sentiment. Anyways, I don't want to know what rules he broke because that, I don't want to know what rules he broke. I was just going to say. But mine are like less um, uh, uh, consequential. They're silly rules. The rules I break are like, no white after Labor Day, you know what I mean? So, like, break those rules. Do you believe in that? No, I'm wearing oh, okay, white no. jeans okay. as we speak. I'm wearing off-white Wranglers as we speak in December. I aggressively disagree with that one. I Me just want to let everybody know. For sure. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Okay, James, thank you so much. This thank has you. seriously been so fun. Please tell everybody where can they find you, where can they shop, where can they follow your journey, all of it. You can find me at James Doing Insta. You can find Rowena at Rowena Social Club on both TikTok and Instagram. 
you can shop Rowena at www.rowenasocialclub.com on the World Wide Web. And find me online. I'm, I'm pretty online. And uh, that's about it. That's about most of the social handles. There's some more, but yeah, you'll find them if you're curious. You guys, you need to follow. You need to shop. <laughs> Listen to me right now. While you're listening to this, go shop right now. <laughs> like It's the coolest stuff. It's cool. It makes you feel like you're wearing something one of a kind, which is really, really hard to find yeah. in ready-to-wear fashion at all. So Totally right. Thank you, Please Emma. go shop. James, thank you so much for coming on. Thank this you. Like this was so fun. A dream. This was so rad. Fun. I love what you're doing. Keep this podcast kicking. It rocks. I love thank podcasts. You. So thank you for having me. Everybody, thank you for listening to Excuse My Reach. As always, you can find us on all major streaming platforms. Like, download, share with your friends. Be kind to those around you. And don't be afraid to reach a little higher. That was awesome.